Welcome back to Comic Book Nation Season 4, your one-stop spot for all things geek culture. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and while I figure out what camera I'm looking at here in the studio, <laughs> we are going to introduce our other hosts. We have Matthew Aguilar over here. What's up, everybody? And back with a base tan from Florida is Janelle Wheeler. Hello! We're excited! Yeah, so uh, three of us, our main host of uh, Comic Book Nation, are here in the studio. I figured like we should start doing this show sometimes and actually like plug it. So subscribe to Comic Book Nation on all your podcast platforms, or you can watch us on YouTube, Twitch, or Facebook. Or you can read all our content on comicbook.com. Or stream on Paramount Plus. <laughs> all right. So now that we've done, we got all the plugs in. We got all the plugs in. That's great. That's right. Right. I have another. I have another thing. Is that micro machine man ever retires? <laughs> I got another gig lined up. But um, we, and in terms of actual content today on Comic Book Nation, we have some fun stuff to do. First up, we want to tell you guys what's going on at the movie theater and what you should be aware of out there while we all wait for the Batman to hit HBO Max this time <laughs> next week. There oh are some gosh, things already? you can go out. Oh yeah, 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 it's coming. Wow. Oh yeah. Let's Yeah, we'll be we'll be taking another look at the Batman next week, but um yes. this week we have brought in one of our resident movie experts to give you guys a breakdown of what's at the box office this spring. Say oh, and over Easter weekend and beyond, because we're giving you guys some advanced look. Mr. Patrick Cavanaugh is here. If you've been watching him up in the video screen, you're probably wondering why we're just leaving him hanging. But uh, Patrick, thank you for joining <laughs> us once again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Sorry that my tan didn't come in as well. You know, <laughs> but, give, you know fingers oh, crossed. I mean, Easter Bunny gives me that tanning bed this weekend. I mean, you have what we would consider like a pretty deep Seattle tan going on right it there. It is yeah. deep for yeah. Seattle. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good way of putting it. The Seattle, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like you're pretty solid Seattle well, you tan. It rains all the time. Like, <laughs> like yeah, how are you supposed to get a tan when it's raining? That's awesome. Hey, I don't know. Mine is perpetual. I think in Nashville we have that figured out pretty well, actually. But yeah. uh, Patrick has been out to the movies. He's been busy, and he's here with two big reviews for you guys today. Patrick, let's start with the one that's on the box office this weekend, and the big one, Fantastic Beast: The Secrets of Dumbledore. Take it away. Should and please be nice. <laughs> I'll, I'll be nice, and I will say that uh, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore feels like an actual movie as opposed to the last one. So it's definitely a step up. Uh, I, I, it seems weird to say it like this, but the reason it works is because it gives us the title. Uh, Fantastic Beasts are an important part of the plot, and so that works. We also get Secrets of Dumbledore, so that works. We actually get what the title promises. Um, yeah, this this one definitely leans more heavily into the characters that are the standouts of the series. We don't feel like we're being introduced to characters anymore. We get to just live in this world a little bit more. Um, so, so it really works, and there's a lot more uh, direct connections to the, the Harry Potter films and that world. So longtime fans of the franchise will definitely appreciate those more, and they aren't shown in. Uh, I think the involvement definitely connects everything a lot better. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a step up from 
the the previous film, it's still hard to fully invest in all of these characters. I don't totally love Newt. Nothing against Abraham, but he just doesn't do it for me. But luckily, the support cast is there to really kind of elevate the experience. Well, I was going to ask, how is uh, how's Mads? So, great <laughs> question about uh, the recasting. Uh, it, I, I'm, you know, all controversy regarding Johnny Depp aside. Yeah. Personally, for the past 15 years, honestly, since uh, Jack Sparrow, it just kind of feels like Johnny Depp is playing Johnny Depp with a wig in new, you know, you don't get various shades of Johnny Depp. And so yeah. when he showed up, he, uh, the first Fantastic Beasts, and then when he was in front of Grindelwald, like, just never really did anything for me. Uh, so that's in the new one, he's just a lot, a lot more subtle. There's anyone who's a fan of, like, Cine Royale or Hannibal, like, you know, Matt's it's a, very quietly intimidating and fearsome figure uh, and fully leans into that with this as well. So it, it doesn't seem right to compare the two characters because they feel like so completely different versions of one being much more outlandish and intense and eccentric and one much being, uh, being much more calm and collective. Gotcha. Awesome. I'm so excited about this. Like, I feel like I'm the only one, but I can't wait to see this. It's, uh, I was very apprehensive about seeing it because the last Fantastic Beast is one of like the only new release movies I've fallen asleep during. Oh no. Like, I'll go, I'll potentially fall asleep during a movie I've seen before, but watching it up on the big screen. This is one of the only movies I struggled to stay awake during my wow. very first viewing. So I was super nervous and it, it it did win me over in the sense that it is better and has me more interested in this franchise. But uh, for folks who've been reading the news the past week, like Warner Brothers might not even do two more movies. That's kind of the report is that it was planned as a five film series they might reevaluate and do one more film instead of two, or they might do like an HBO Max kind of thing. Um, hmm. What well, can we address really how dumb. ridiculous that was? Anyway, that yeah, was that a was dumb plan. Who plans dumb. five movies for anything? No matter what your franchise is, to plan one story as a five. Oh, we need five movies to tell that. <laughs> to me, it means. Like two are just bloated. Like I don't understand how you need. Like we've seen time and time again that like three movie arcs. Okay, that is a that is a and even those sometimes are too long. Hobbit. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you know what I mean. That, so that's what this this series feels like. It's really struggled with is like the Lord of the Rings was so concept heavy. It was about Frodo and the Fellowship destroying the ring to prevent the world from being destroyed. And then The Hobbit was like, an unexpected journey. Yeah. You know, like the stakes were so much lower. Mm -hmm. and, and so it was the same thing with Fantastic Beasts. Like we know Grindelwald doesn't, you know, slave muggles. Like we know that. So Fantastic Beasts really needs to sell these characters and get us invested in this journey with lower stakes. And the first two films, I don't 
field did that, but now the connection to the other Harry Potter films is starting to make us care about what happens in Fantastic Beasts. But like three movies in, which to me is like... Yeah, this was always this was always insane. I mean, it was always kind of a scattered focus project. It was supposed to be about the creation of this very minor textbook in the Harry Potter lore. It was also then they wanted to do like a a period <laughs> hop that went through all of the early 20th century leading up to World War II and beyond. And it's like that was always a mess of a concept and to do it over five films like Matt said, which is always ridiculous. Also, it doesn't have helmets. So yeah. clearly, so clearly. <laughs> there is not a helmet in this movie. <laughs> so clearly is, I don't like this yeah, movie. No, no helmets. Well, here's my thing. So because you've got people, obviously, at this point, like Janelle, right? Like mm -hmm. you're invested. You like are excited to see this movie. I liked the first film. You liked the first movie. I liked all the beasts. So for people, though, who are kind of like who have been standing to the side and be like, oh, no, and haven't jumped in. Can they just watch this one? Like, do they need oh, to go and watch a good the other question. two? Well, what is interesting, and I think something that fans might be curious about, is they don't address the recasting whatsoever. They don't say, why do you look so different? Why do you look like a normal person instead of insane Grindelwald from previous movies? Um, so in some respects, I do think this works as an entry point if you didn't really care much or you weren't invested in those previous two movies, like one of the earliest scenes or, or the, the first two scenes are basically uh, Dumbledore having a conversation where some of the secrets are revealed and you get to see Newt exploring and investigating a fantastic thief. So like first 10 minutes fully delivers on those two concepts of the title and then the rest of the movie follows from there. So I watched the first two movies in preparation for seeing this one again. I right. still couldn't tell you what happens in the first two movies, despite Opika having watched them. Yeah, uh, so, so I do think you can kind of come back. Maybe this is it for me. I'll give it I'm a out. shot. I'm out. I think there's just been too much. The Wizarding World, I mean, the off-screen stuff, the on-screen stuff has been as weak as the off-screen stuff. I'm out. Uh, I'll see it all as one excellent HBO Max block one day. That's yeah. where I'll hop in. The pot but, cut. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we gotta keep it. We gotta keep it moving because Patrick, this is not all. You've also been inside a movie that I am really anticipating from uh, one of my favorite directors that has come, you know, up of the last, you know, half decade or so. So why don't you tell us about that? The Northman. The Northman. Yeah. Um, I think right off the bat, as soon as this movie starts, you kind of know that you are getting a historical epic that might be reminiscent of Gladiator 300, but all of the iconography feels very much beggars. Like it's Nordic, it's Vikings, it's Icelandic, it's it. Everything looks like this German expressionist film, which for fans of Robert Egg shouldn't really come as much of a surprise, but it still feels like a totally different world from any of those other kind of contemporary historical epics. Uh, the whole premise is, or the driving motivation of the main character is avenge father, save mother, 
kill fuel near, uh, and it delivers on that. It sticks to that sort of uh, laser focused narrative. Um, it's this visually stark but hypnotic and hallucinatory experience. Um, I think it's going to be Robert Eggers' most accessible film uh, because the bits, obviously, uh, some fans were disappointed that it wasn't hocus pocus or, or you know, it, it wasn't very overt in its witchery. And then the lighthouse, of course, was all about spitting your beans and parting and skulls and completely insane stuff, which I was a big fan. Uh, but this is a much more direct, much more blatant. Alexander Skarsgård has his shirt off and is killing everything in his path to fulfill that quest of avenge father, save mother, kill Fjolmir. And uh, I, I, it's going to be accessible, but there are still stumbles along the way. I know folks are claiming that it's his best movie yet. I still don't think it tops the effectiveness of which, but still, I mean, folks who can see the trailer playing right now, uh, the visuals are fantastic. It it really is like somewhere between 300 and Thor as far as like, it feels grounded, but it's still elevated through these hoops and Thorian psychedelic sequences. So it's, uh, I'm excited for more folks to see it and how well it does at the theater. Excellent. And The Northman comes out on April 22nd, so you guys are getting the advanced look. All I know of this movie is that Willem Dafoe at some point says, Northman! Because that's all I hear <laughs> when I'm on YouTube lately. I watch YouTube videos and like the ad plays, and it's oh. Northman! And it's just like yelling at me the movie name. But it's effective, because I wouldn't have known about this movie if it had not been for Willem Dafoe yelling at me. So I just I think of the cast. The cast looks amazing. <laughs> Dude, the trailer got in my head. I will avenge you, father. I will save you, mother. I will kill you, father. Yes, Northman. so good. Northman. <laughs> all right, so that's the Northman, which I think we're going to be all going out to see. I'm excited about <laughs> yes. this. And uh, that's it. Patrick, thank you uh, for coming on and doing the good work of breaking down these movies for us. We're going to let you get back uh, to your Friday. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I will say it's in a limited release now for all you, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy fans. Keep your eyes out for people Duel in which Karen Gillan, you get a double dose of her because she plays not only herself, but a cloned version of herself that she must also duel to the death. Uh, If that sounds bananas. (laughs) (laughs) Fast forward 50 years, that would just be everyday life. Yeah, this movie has rocketed up the charts for me. It is is definitely kind of an absurd, sort of left of center dystopic movie, but it's cool. again, double dose of Karen Gillen playing two versions of herself. Aaron Paul's in it. Uh, it comes from director Ryan Stearns, who did The Art of Self-Defense, and he did Fault. So uh, anyone who's interested in Karen Gillen, keep your eyes out for Duel. Uh, and I interviewed the director, composer. You can see some back coverage on comic.com to learn more about that movie. Boom, son. Nice. All right. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, man. Thanks, bro. All right. We are Comic Book Nation, your one-stop spot for all things Coffee in the geek culture. Kofi can. Kofi can. And we're going to move on now from uh, the movies that are going to be hitting theaters to getting into our 
debate topic for this podcast, which is the DCEU needs fixing, y'all. We started off season four this year <laughs> with our has not aged well, but is increasingly hilarious. I think it's... Will Marvel or DC have the better year in 2022 <laughs> episode? Such an optimistic uh, outlook. We were so optimistic. And uh, we stumped hard for DC and yeah. So... DC has hit some stumbles this year, you know, with The Flash and Aquaman couldn't get done into theaters as they promised us at the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had to shift around things. Now, Warner Brothers or Warner Media has been acquired or merged with Discovery, which has now brought focus back on the DC Warner Brothers it's brand. It's still surreal, by the way. Though. Yeah, right. Discovery. <laughs> I'm and so it's just also the world is so crazy that like that wasn't like the biggest that held my focus for right. all yeah. two seconds yeah. this week before we had to like move on to something else crazy. So basically, yeah, they're DC and or Warner Media and Discover are together now, and they're going to be overhauling the DC Entertainment brand. So Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav is coming in, hitting the ground <laughs> hot. He wants to do some overhaul, and there are plans and statements about what they're going to do, but we thought we would sit here and kind of go through together as our expertise of fixing movie franchises <laughs> allows us. I don't know about and, you, I did that yesterday. And start uh, talking about what DC kind of needs to do to right the ship and make this brand all that it can be. So. The facts of the report, do we need to go over that or do we need yeah. all the big things? I mean, they essentially kind of a quick, quick hit thing, right? Was they do want a Kevin-like figure. So, we're right. getting ahead of ourselves. So, yes. You went for the facts. I, I know. The facts. Okay, we're not going into the facts. <laughs> this is not a facts place. Let's just get into what you we said, want. You asked me. Let's get into what we're really here for on this podcast. What we want. <laughs> so, here's what we want. Um, yes. So my first, my two things that uh, I think needs to happen to kind of right the ship is they need a Feige, right? Kevin Feige. And I'm not, I've written about this. I've straight up written this many times. DC needs a Kevin Feige. And apparently Zaslav agrees because he's already made the com commitment that, yeah, they need a Kevin Feige to oversee and they need one central person right. who's in charge of all this. And I think this is important because I think one of the most distinguishing factors of what's been wrong with Warner Brothers DC, and I've been doing this, I've been now doing this career, was it 2007, so yeah, you know, 15 years. And in that 15 years, it's always been the same problem that keeps just collapsing a DC Universe franchise before it gets off the ground, which is Warner Brothers is a just scattershot, mm -hmm. like hornet's nest yeah. of competing executives and creatives and influence. And it's kind of a Hunger Games atmosphere there that it, it, that it was always. It is. And that they were kind of eating each other. So people would undercut other people. Like even when Wonder Woman came out, there was a whole quiet behind the scenes drama between like, you know, super longtime producer Charles Roven kind of being pushed out the door mm -hmm. after Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman came out and, you know, getting the new team in there. And it was this whole thing. So, right. So Warner, so Warner Brothers, the problem is there's just too many cooks in the kitchen and not one person with enough say to just be like, no, 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 yes, yes, no, yes, no, 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 yes. And like, that's what you need. And we clearly see that that's like what we need in this whole debacle that we keep going through. So 
That's what we need. We need a Feige, and it needs to be somebody who is, and like, it can't just be any geek off the street regulators. <laughs> like, it's gotta actually right. have the right components. Yeah, you heard that. That was regulators. <laughs> we don't have the money. We do not have the money for that. But, um, oh yeah, if you don't know, Kevin Feige was a guy who had to sit there and listen to Sony's bad ideas, mm-hmm. and you know, for so many years. And he was very creatively inclined and smart, but he also under he got to see the business side. And he's perfect because he's the guy who understands how to go between both sides of that. Yeah. How to do the creative stuff and, and make all the people, if you hear people, all the talent who works for Marvel, you, I mean, since phase one, like you don't hear anybody complaining. They're like, no, it's great. We love Kevin. We love working. Yeah. We love Marvel. And it's like, they take That's care awesome. of their talent. But they also make the executives happy. They always bring home the bag. Like, well, the only time you hear negative is when other people, like you know, CEOs and stuff, like new new Disney people, come in and muck things. (laughs) like muck up the machine. Yeah, the machine was working, and then people come in and try and mess things up. And you got to deal with that. And Kevin's had to get flexible. He's had to deal with Rothman and Sony and getting Spider Man and doing that whole night. And they've had plenty of growing pains. I was here for Phase One and doing this job in Phase One. It was a mess. Yeah. And he fought with like every director, Joe yeah. Johnston, Kenneth Branagh, wow. you know. What was a different strategy? Uh, yeah, too. it was a different yeah. strategy. But, uh, you know, once Kevin did get comfortable in that space and was able to do the, I mean, he sells, you know, sugar, honey, iced tea as just sugar better than just about anybody <laughs> I know. And like he got in that space and he quietly, you know, Infinity yeah. Gauntlet, the whole thing, but never, you know, seems like he's never raising his voice. Got the dad vibe down really well. Yeah. So you need that for Warner Brothers as well. The other thing I'm going to say that Warner Brothers kinds of needs is to lean into, you know, what makes it, you know, if you do anything about business, you want to be a hedgehog business, which is that you're unique, you stand out, nobody's like you, and you want to lean into aspects of your business that make you unique and distinguishable. DC definitely has one of those over Marvel, and that is brand diversity. DC has Forrest Gump their way into just making different kinds of product and getting people on board with the idea that, yes, DC comes in different flavors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We can get a Shazam. We can get uh, the Batman. We can get a Joker. We can get a Wonder Woman. We can get the Snyderverse. We can get something other than the Snyderverse. And this can all be in one sandbox and people are now primed and kind of ready or we could just, you know, take something like a gun verse and make it its own little corner and extend it over yeah. TVs right. and TV and movies. So that brand diversity, I'm really scared that when they get a Feige, it's going to be somebody who comes in too hard, swinging the pendulum the other way, right. which is like, no, it must all connect. And like that's, yeah. I, that's yeah. you will kill if you try to make yourself just a Marvel clone. You will end up back in that Josh Whedon Justice League yeah. zone. Well, they already tried. Do that. They already tried that, and it didn't work because they tried to well they also tried it in a different way they not only tried to do the marvel connected universe they then tried to like shotgun blast it and go hey we're gonna do this in like two years <laughs> we're gonna do this in like two movies and we'll be right there and it's like well 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 slow your roll but yeah i get that absolutely yeah so that's it i say get a feige feige Get a Feige, (laughs) lean into your brand diversity, and remember that you can make different kinds of product and put it in different places to appeal to different demos Mm -hmm. and get all the bags. And that's what you need to do. And just keep somebody in charge of that. So that's mine. 
Dude, Janelle, yeah. your ideas that are going to fix this whole thing. Well, I'm just, what you said is just so interesting because in a lot of the comments on this tweet, original treat, tweet, people were saying, it needs to all be connected. Like there's so many people complaining about that. And I'm just like, I'm totally with you on this. Like stop trying to do that. Okay, my two, um, starting with backing your filmmakers, um, actually putting your faith and trust into these people that are creating these works of art and, um, and letting them do what they want to do. Like the Snyder cut situation was such a debacle. Like it's insane. And we shouldn't have to deal with that. Like it should just be made right to begin with. Um, so that's definitely my first, and I'm so tired of hearing release the so-and-so cut. Like, I'm so tired of hearing <laughs> yeah, If I never hear that again, I will be so happy. So Because <laughs> it's like it. the air cut, the, there's, uh, Birds of Prey has a cut, like, oh right? All the, all the DC movies. <laughs> So far, we need a Snyder cut, uh, Ayer cut, a Yawn cut. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot That's of them. Three right off the bat. Yeah. So, um, and to go along with your fighty statement, like, they need someone who's actually, uh, like, fully invested, who doesn't have their hand in a bunch of different pots, like, who's just committed to this one mm -hmm. thing. Um, and I feel like what you said, like, with all the executives that were kind of putting their hand on the pulse, they all had so many other things that they were working on and, like, trying to figure out. It's like, just... Pick someone who's focused and is ready to, you know, put in the work, like you said, Kofi. Okay, so my second thing, I was kind of like pulling at straws because we had so many, obviously all of us are saying two things, but I just said stick with the rated R content. Like I feel like one of the coolest things now, me as a reader of DC, is how dark it is. It is dark. Like I never realized how dark DC content is. And even if it's just the Batman stuff, like keep it dark. Keep it rated R. Don't be afraid to lean into that. Like, make yourself different from Marvel in that way. Yeah. Um, so it's me now. So, yeah. I, and I will piggyback off that. I'll, I'll swap points. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because that's a great segue. Uh, because one of the things I, because I echo both of you in the fact that there needs to be somebody at the control board kind of knowing where, knowing where all the projects are, knowing what's in development and knowing that hey we have this going on over here and that doesn't like totally knock this one out and, and all that right everything needs to play nice in the sandbox however i don't i also echo y'all in the fact that i don't want that to mean you become a marvel clone because dc one of the things i think is that dc needs to lean um into its and we've already seen it it needs to lean into the multiverse concept dc was doing multiverse stuff way way before <laughs> right <laughs> And that's one of the, we had, we've had talks on this very podcast about how like the audience wasn't ready for it or the audience was going to be okay with Joker and not going, well, that's not the Joker you showed me over here. And why are those in? And they took to it just fine. And that movie made a bunch of money. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a bankable thing. And DC more than anyone has so much experience in doing Elseworld tales and stories that fit. I mean, look at their DC animated universe. Okay. They, they've done it. They've already laid out the blueprint. You have all these iconic stories getting their own movies. I'm not saying you have to mimic that directly, but the blueprint is there for you to do stuff like the Batman that can exist over here. It's own little corner. No one messes with it. Doesn't mean that that's your Joker. You can have your mainline continuity, but have your other movies and don't be afraid to just do something radically different with them. Mm -hmm. um, DC Black Label has shown over the last two and a half years, there are so many projects there that are just 
ripe for movie adaptations. Not, you don't have to shoehorn them in to this, well, it's gotta fit because Jason Momoa is our Aquaman. So we can only tell stories that work with that Momoa take on Aquaman. Mm -hmm. No, don't do that. If you wanna cast another Aquaman, go ahead to fit whatever vision that is for that director, right? Or if you want just Momoa to do it and just play a different type, let him do it. Like, be open to that kind of thing because that's what can set you apart. You're not gonna get that with Marvel. Everything needs to play together in the Marvel Universe. Now they're open to doing things. We've seen with Moon Knight and WandaVision, all these things that they're open to taking on new concepts for their shows and still making it all work. So that's no shade on Marvel, but you can't do what Marvel does because Marvel already does it. So you need to set yourself apart. And that leads into my other thing. You've got a roster of characters that are completely different aside from, you know, Squadron Supreme, like, hey, that's the Justice League, but it's Marvel's. Like, aside from those kinds of things, you have a set of characters that are like completely different in just like iconography and the way they are looked at internationally than Marvel does. Because they were, it, that was like a purposeful thing, right? Marvel characters feel different just in their DNA than DC characters. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's always been used as a critique. It's always been like, well, why aren't they more relatable? Or why aren't they more this? But there's a reason that people everywhere around the world know who Superman is. Mm -hmm. You can get into a Twitter thread about like debating, all, is, is he relevant still? Is this happened? But Superman still sells a ton of merchandise mm -hmm. and everybody around the world knows who Superman is. <laughs> trunks or no trunks, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter. He's iconic, Wonder Woman, Batman, these characters are iconic for a reason. Lean into that. You have a, DC has a roster of characters that are just ridiculous. <laughs> like if you look at like I'm I mean we talk about them all the time in a jesting way like detective chip they have a monkey that is a detective <laughs> that is that has rocket raccoon style popularity written all over if you just put it in the right hands and make it something it doesn't have to fit with your main thing right. lean into the comics we've talked about over the last two years how DC has introduced a ton of new characters newer younger characters Yara is a prime example Love. that relate to this generation of comics fans and superhero fans, not even just comics fans anymore. Take advantage of that. Go ahead and put a rocket on them a little earlier. They don't have to be introduced in phase five. Do it now. That was one of our mm -hmm. biggest critiques of Marvel for the first couple years was like, I get it. They all look, it's like the same tapestry board and I get they're your biggest characters, but like, can we get some energy in here? Can we get some youth yeah. and whatever? Do that now. You have the characters and the blueprints to do it. So lean into that in your movie universe. Again, a seamless thing, if you can get it all working together, that needs to happen probably before anything else. But all these other things are ways to make your brain relevant in 10 years. I actually came up with two more things we really should add on because Boom. we kind of we didn't <laughs> say. Um, in light of recent events, I'm gonna say one thing that DC also needs to do in Warner Brothers is pick smartly in investing in building stars. Mm. Like pick smartly and invest heavily in building stars. Stars who are gonna be durable, stars who are gonna be reliable, stars who are going to last. Right now we have a hodgepodge of, just look at the Justice League members. You got, Momoa and Gal Gadot. Those are the only two who are still able to be out here and shoulder a franchise and carry it either because of personal stuff 
or because Warner Brothers just kind of squandered them mm-hmm. as potentials. And squandering is obviously Cavill. Yeah. The personal stuff is obviously Ray Fisher, Ezra Miller. Like, yeah, but of your Justice League people who are each supposed to be franchise leaders. leaders. Yeah. Like, you didn't pick too wisely. Ben, ben Affleck. Was he only had one weird place. Yeah, you know, that was like, a weird thing. Really yeah, that was a personal thing. Yeah. But like, but again, but uh, when you look at Marvel, right? Mm-hmm. Like the retention level is yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. We lost a Terrace Howard and we lost an Ed Norton, and that's about it. Yeah, that yeah. we've lost. True. Uh, you know, to to you real look life natural things. We're not now. obviously we're not talking about Chadwick, but we're talking about right. you know yeah people who have left. Like they've retained so many. And this new and wave of new Marvel stars. characters and yeah. stars are the same thing. Right. They're gonna be around in this franchise yeah. for 10 plus years. I'm just thinking of like Loki, so. like where he's turned and how long it took for him to get his, but yeah. like we stuck with him. But nobody's stuck like, with us. that made Tom Hiddleston a yeah. star. So Marvel's not just finding good people, they're building them yeah. mm-hmm. and two legitimate stars. Yep. And so DC, go back to your casting people in, you know, make, do an overhaul in the casting department. Make sure you're getting people who are reliable, hungry, stable, and are gonna be around to like really carry this thing and be real ambassadors for it yeah. for a long time to come. Great point. Um, the other thing, oh man, and it was all important and I just forgot. <laughs> well, we there's, an all important, there's an all important thing that I did think about, but uh, I totally forgot it. And so, I'm gonna mention this comment. Oh, no, 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 here it is, here it is. And I'm looking straight in the camera for this one. Oh boy. Don't oh. you open your mouth to say anything in a public relations space until you have it in the bag. Do not announce a project, do not show a trailer, do not say anything's in development until you have it in the bag. I have written, I've spent more of my life and the ability to move the joints in my hands typing about DC projects that are never happening. Oh no. That I got hyped for that are never happening. What happened uh, to Nightwing? What happened, so to, what happened to what happened to, what happened to Flash Green? We could so do a whole sad. I could do a whole segment on all RIP like yeah. you should. for all the DC projects I wanted to see. Yeah. We even had poor Joe Manganiello on here going oh, to PTSD yeah. about his Deathstroke, you know, mm-hmm. Batman Deathstroke movie and everything. So just keep your mouth shut until you have the product. It's, I don't know, Agreed. from everything from just street dealing to business, keep your mouth shut until you have the product. Agreed. I, don't I agree. Don't say anything. Yeah, because then we have to come on here and be like, well, it's gone. And you wonder where the cynicism and yeah. negativity yeah. comes in, but it's like, hey, I mean, after so long, people get tired of hearing, you know, it's been delayed again. I mean, it's, or, yeah. it's just not happening. Or silence. Silence is even worse, because at yep. least if the delay is happening, you're like, oh, well, it's, it's kind of happening. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah DCWB has done the, the crazy job of making us not even believe. And we, I mean, right now, the brand is so bad, we don't even believe it when we see it. <laughs> we go to theaters and we're like, I don't believe this is the movie that I was supposed to see. Yeah. <laughs> we come out. Oh so my God. get also, some of that credibility back. Uh, also, yes, uh, to <laughs> Joey Tall Lakes. That's just a great name. Uh, anyway, uh, yes, uh, lack of Green Lantern is wild, but there are a number of those type of characters that are world building things that you have just sitting in the bag waiting to be used. And there's not like you could ramble off a bunch. Yeah. And, and so that's just these concepts that are just sitting there. But like, man, wouldn't it be awesome to see? I mean, geez, can we get the rogues? 
in just their own thing, like off cool. of the black label thing, like some of the Suicide Squad stuff they've yeah. done. There's so much. It's DC awesome. has, I don't even want to get into this because it's a separate discussion, but DC has so much more than Marvel that they could just be putting out as mid-budget projects on TV and films. Yeah. HBO Max should HBO be, Max. like in two years, like with the, with the let's, let's look out a little bit and go, okay, if they get all their stuff together, right? The, the amount of content and characters and like stuff that is just ready to be stuck on the screen and just put a team together is 2024 and 2023 should literally be loaded with HBO Max projects. HBO Max should never have a month where there's not a new DC project because yeah. this stuff is just ready. It's just there. <laughs> just package it. It's with not hard to make. Group. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, man, you know. It's not hard. Not modest budgets too. Like yeah. Yeah. this stuff doesn't. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. We can get bogged down, but we're going to pay some of our own bills. And then I'm going to come back, Feige this thing, as we go into our TV recaps of the week for Moon Knight and Halo. And Matt's agenda gets served as he gets to murk out about Kingdom Hearts 4. <laughs> and we got to talk about comics this week. So please stay tuned for all of that. back to comic book nation season four your one stop spot for all things in geek culture we just broke down what movies are coming to the box office and which you should check out or not we also just gave you a free consultation seminar on how warner brothers and dc can fix the franchise so go back and study that if you need the notes because uh we're helping you get the money. charge of mountain dew there you go <laughs> charge for mountain dew sounds about right all right, let's get into TV this week. Oh, almost knocked over my computer. So let's get into what big things happen on Geek TV this week. Looking at our two big series that we're following. Uh, first, we're going to do Moon Knight Episode 3. Then we're going to do Halo Episode 4. So Marvel's Moon Knight Episode 3. I got to be very careful because I got re-access to Moon Knight Episode 4. <gasps> so I am now in a space where I've seen two Moon Knights this week. Oh, oh yeah. that's confusing. Yeah, so it gets a little confusing yeah. in my head, so I gotta be very careful on this one. But I think I got this. So, <laughs> when Blade showed, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's I amazing. do not know anything about Blade. Do yes. not start the whole thing. I was just making a joke. Um, so Moon Knight episode three, this is where we got to go into Egypt and they start us off with like a very, you know, modern Egyptian hip hop vibes, which I always appreciate that track they played in the beginning and the <laughs> yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. I was like, the I gotta get, great. Yeah, Egypt's been cooking it up like France over there. I gotta get some of this international hip hop going. But anyway, <laughs> so we got to see Mark Spector, Oscar Isaac, and Layla May Kalamawe in Egypt and going on it. We got a, like a little travel episode, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, there's a yeah, there's a lot that happens in this episode. Actually, there is strangely like a lot that happens mm -hmm. in right. this one. Uh, and, and a lot of nice set pieces because we go, we also saw French actor, late French actor Gaspar Ulil, and I'm sorry I butchered his name, um, as Anton, as, you know, Midnight Man, mm -hmm. you know, Anton. We had a whole set piece fight there. And then there's like Just a whole cool. thing with mm -hmm. the meeting of the gods in this one, which we're going to get to. Um, and like, yeah, then the big kind of spectacular effects thing at the end with Conchu and what happens with Conchu. So, right. lot to do. We're going to be talking spoilers of Moon Knight. Uh, I like this episode. I think this one for me is the most kind of scattered one because there's so much it has to do. Mm -hmm. And like I said, there's pieces of it that feel like they could be entire episodes themselves, but there's a lot we pack in here. Uh, the meaning of the gods obviously is a major and the pyramid of Giza is a major set piece. 
No, that is not a Black Panther connection. That was because you saw a woman in African thing standing in front of a yeah. statue of a feline looking god. That's not Black Panther. That was actually um, uh, Tefnut. And Tefnut is the sister of Bast, who is the Panther goddess, mm. but uh, is not. She's the goddess of moisture. Ooh, so of that moist. word a lot of people hate. Uh, I love that word. So she is the goddess of moisture and rain, which, of course, if you're in a desert, pretty important, you know, deity to have. Yeah. So uh, that was not Black Panther. Let's just clear that up. But we also got the tease, and one of my favorite parts of the episode is in the beginning of the other personality that's mm -hmm. that's inside of Mark Spector. And we got this in pretty, I mean, there's been subtle teases through, I mean, since episode one with the yeah. date and all that. But this, this was a like pretty a raw, really pretty raw tease. Yeah. And I love this whole sequence with these Egyptian thugs as they have to face all three different personalities. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, wow. I didn't yeah. even think about that. Yeah. And, they, yeah. and they're just so confused throughout yeah. this whole sequence. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, Mark's beating them up. And then Steve <laughs> lets him go. And then, you know, this third personality who we're just going to say, let's just call him Jake. I was going to yeah. say, yeah. 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 <laughs> let's just call him Jake. <laughs> is, is stabbing them to death. And it's just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Just leave I got us so, alone, I, man. I, I, look, I've been... And people keep, I keep forgetting because like sometimes like I'll talk about Moon Knight to people yeah. and they'll be like, who like aren't, who aren't watching the comics right. or even like jumping in everything. And they'll be like, I said Jake in like a conversation. It's like, oh yeah, he's got to be coming. Like he's got to be coming. And they're like, spoiler. I was like, no, it's not a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a spoiler. It's been in the books forever. <laughs> or they'll just be completely confused. Like yeah, what are you talking about? I'm, I was so excited. They, they've done a really good job of teasing that. I was well, I'll let you finish your thing and then we'll get into thoughts. But I was just saying, I was like hoping that the full kind of red carpet reveal kind of thing would be in this episode as yeah. opposed to like, oh, gotta, you gotta wait a little bit longer till we like really go into all those details. Um, and I agreed with you. I thought this episode fit a lot in and I think it did it pretty solidly. Though, if I had to like, I wouldn't necessarily like go back and there's parts of this one I really like, but I wouldn't go back and rewatch this one. I would yeah. go back and rewatch like the first two because I think just as a whole episode, those hold up better and they're more cohesive. Yeah. Um, but it is impressive the amount of world building that they have done in three episodes. I will give them yeah. complete credit. It's amazing. Like all the stuff with the gods, all the stuff with the personalities to do all of that they've done in three episodes is really impressive. Yeah. 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 And Oscar Isaac, I mean, not oh, enough could be said about how good Lord, Oscar man. Isaac is. So good. And uh, we got some heat between uh, Mark and Layla. There was a, <clears throat> there was a little Mark. heat, a little boat ride, a little thing, a little Madge Rapport name drop. Yeah. Has Layla been working with Sharon? Do we know? <laughs> Do we know all of that? Not yet. <laughs> and of course, Ethan Hawke is still so great as Harrow. I mean, just to be able to walk into a meeting of the gods and, you know, lie to their faces and yeah. he's amazing pretty pretty and conchu is conchu is so yeah. legit like, it's yeah. perfect they they have i mean look that's the character you're worried about the most because it's just so out there as far as like what compared to what marvel has done to this point mm -hmm. and to just knock it out of the park so well to this point it's just amazing uh, and you know, there's so many images too from this episode, like regarding Kanchu that I've already started to make the rounds on Twitter. And oh, like, nice. well, Kanchu's already a meme, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah so we never thought of all the Marvel stuff that Kanchu. No, would be. it's amazing, <laughs> so good. Uh, here we are. Also, uh, yeah, if you guys aren't up on drinks out of bags, you need to get up on drinks out of bags. 
What? <laughs> it's a big thing. People have been obsessed because there's a scene in the market where yeah. Layla is meeting where she meets Mark in Egypt yeah. and she runs up on him. She's drinking like out of a bag. Oh. And, and people were like, what is that? Yeah. 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 No, yeah. drinks out of bags. Yeah. Well, and that's actually a good point. Sandbar, it's, it's just <laughs> that, um, you know, the, the fact that one of the comments is, you know, they like that they depicted Egypt as a modern place and yeah. not as the stereotypical like they're stuck they're, that's they're, they're, yeah, they're stuck. they don't use technology like they don't use right. things. it's really i've really enjoyed what they've done with egypt to this point yeah so. drink bag bag drinks got it got it hey, like, <laughs> like in moon night um <laughs> like i can't say punch. that having seen as much as i've seen what i will say is i think people should probably understand that the larger point of this kind of introductory series, and there's only six episodes, so we are now in the halfway point. So I think the larger arc of this whole introductory series is us coming to know about the just getting the full picture of Mark Spector. Okay. So I think getting the full picture of Mark Spector, Steven, Jake, Moon Knight, Mr. All that stuff is going to be kind of the largest point of that. I don't think it's like a point we settle and we go forward, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So I think, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be, I haven't seen the end. Nobody's seen the last two, mm. really. And so nobody knows the end of Moon Knight, but I wouldn't be surprised if all of these personalities kind of forming a collective and coming together to kind of almost run like Starship Moon Knight. Is. Look, man, if I, get, <laughs> look, if I get, there are some great scenes um, in the in the Bemis run, but if I get that scene where they're literally all just talking to each other, that's like the normal thing. It's like, oh, Mark, like they're all standing next to each other and count you. And they're all just like having a conversation. Well, how do we approach this? Okay, well, that's I think that's a stupid idea. Well, that's great. Like the back and <laughs> oh, yeah. forth of that's them great. all just being in the same room talking to each other. I love that. I always love that concept. I just thought that was really entertaining from a cheese, even from a visual perspective. So if we get that here, I will be. Oh, happy. I think that's going to be a regular staple. Yeah, yeah. Like we're going to see like. Moon Knight in an Avengers meeting, and there's gonna be a whole separate scene. Oh, right, so great. but like no one else knows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's just having his girl just looking at him, just like standing there. I like, cannot are you wait for that. Going to that answer? So oh yeah. man! Like, so you have an answer, and he'll be like, "Oh yeah, like yeah." yeah so be so good. Dude, like, I can't yeah. wait. We need someone to replace those Iron Man helmet scenes. So. Right, yeah. exactly. I agree. <laughs> oh my god. So there we go. But um, so Moonlight, obviously, we're still in. Yeah. Uh, Halo, uh, the more controversial one. Um, yo, I'm still team Halo, guys. Same. Like, I don't know. I, I've been, I found out, I thought we were like leading the wave because I always, you know, tout the excellent programming on Paramount Plus. So I thought <laughs> we were leading the wave of that, but I didn't know. I mean, like, yeah, there's some real Halo backlash out That's here. That's so but, uh, weird to me. You're not going to find me on, our, on your team. Yeah. Like, I, I'm enjoying Halo, the series. It is making the mythology of halo more interesting to me than the games ever did and i still yep. stand by that i think but i think that to janelle's point what were they expecting they were expecting more halo as what the games have set halo to be so and, no storyline and just jumping and, onto a planet and shooting things yes. I, as someone who knows several fans <laughs> who will hurt me because they're like friends of mine <laughs> it will hurt me if i say the story is terrible that they love the lore. They love the story. They love the characters. It never clicked with me yeah. in a like re- meaningful way. I, I was just like, tell me where to, who, who do I point my rifle at? That's <laughs> like, like I was, where do we get to the next area? That was always me, right? And the fun of multiplayer and stuff. But man, this, this show, but I think that's the biggest divisive thing is that those fans who were looking for that are not finding that here. 
Mm-hmm. But to those of us who weren't so engrossed in the in the lore and all that other stuff of Halo, I, man, th- this makes me want to be like a bigger fan of this franchise. I love this show. Me I look too. forward to this every week. <laughs> yes, me too. I want. Yeah, I'm. I'm so excited. And that episode, I know this again. This episode got creamed online. Like what? Uh, it got talked about a lot of stuff. Well, is What's your phrase? Uh, it got, it got, it got, uh, it got ragged on. It got ragged yeah. on. There we go. Uh, what a awesome episode. I don't know. I look at this. It was a great this. episode. Yeah. Story just, progression, like, like character development. Yes. Yeah. And all the stuff like towards the end too. Okay. Um, I think her name is Kai. Yeah, Spartan oh. Kai. I'm looking at him right now. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. One of Spartan has become like one of my favorite characters. Yeah, she's awesome. So great, and she's holding the needler, by the yeah. way. And oh, that's yeah, so Kai one twenty five explaining the yeah. needler. Yeah. yeah, and all that stuff like back and forth between her and like the scientists. Like, there's just so much great stuff aside from Master Chief happening in this world. And then when you get to Master Chief's story and his personal thing, mm-hmm. and that's interesting too so they've yeah. just done such a good job of filling out this world i yeah. love this show. miranda yeah. keys uh is uh, uh, dr miranda keys played by olive gray and yeah that whole subplot about um kay kennedy's kite 125 and her in this episode where first where she just says you know you think you know us as spartans yeah. and she kind of breaks down everything and is like and they because she also bones. removed her yeah, chip, chip and no one yeah. knows and like yeah. So many good stuff. Oh. And just the hair, just a conversation about hair. Yeah. yeah. Passes the Belchel test, you know, like just yeah. about what she did to her hair and why and how funny it looks. Yeah. All that stuff was like very humanizing stuff for like, again, somebody who was just female Spartan in the games. Just like, yeah. Yeah. Know, whatever. Like, this is so much awesome. more interesting. And the fact that this cast seems to be able to hold our attention and everybody and every character seems to hold our attention. Like, there's not a storyline that I'm just, like, looking at. There's no, like, 24 cougar storylines in this, right? <laughs> right. Like, you care about, like, every single storyline. Um, and, and I'm not mad. Like, when we leave yeah. Master Chief and his whole search and we jump into the other storylines, I'm never mad. Nope. Like, Bokeem Woodbine oh and Garen Ha in this one yeah. with their storyline and having to fight their way out of that whole thing and get the revolution restarted, like, and all that whole stuff was great. Yeah, the stuff with uh, just a side story with the Spartan and Dr. Miranda is great. Yep. And, and that know. tease at the end, the way they brought all that together by the end of that where she's talking about Halsey and yeah. like how she looks at, you know, things she yeah. can't control. And like they yes. tease like, you know, you're seeing Chief and you're, she's there with them. Oh, you know. And so then all the stuff with him discovering that like she was there before she wanted him to. Because yeah. she's, that's why Cortana's there, right? She's like, you can keep him from kind of accessing those things. But yeah. He already knows. There's so much intrigue in here. Lot. I never got that from the game. I like this more than Moon Knight this week. Just just hot take right um, there. I did too. I and didn't like Moonlight episode. I, or Moon Knight. <laughs> I enjoyed Moon Knight okay, but I thought this was a much better episode. And I think episode to episode, if we're comparing episodically, like I've enjoyed Halo. Yeah, yeah pretty much more. Yeah. yeah. But um, and it's not a knock on Moon Knight, but uh, I think it's just Halo deserves more... A little praise. bit more than it's it really does. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, yeah. Right. And like I said, the thing that I loved about this that we said in the beginning still holds true. Nobody feels like they're too good or too bad. It looks like every, anybody could go any kind of way yeah. and make mm-hmm. a crappy decision at any time. And I love that because you never, it keeps you guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, All right. So watch Halo on Paramount Plus and stream us too. <laughs> yes. All right. Cool. So let's move right along. That's TV this week. 
And uh, Matt, go off. Go off, Prince, about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I want to make this quick because I want to get to comics because we got some really interesting comics to talk about. But Kingdom Hearts 4 was announced. Uh, we should also address the fact that there were two other games, three? Two, three other games also announced at the same time. Oh my gosh. Uh, mobile stuff and all that. But yeah. the one everyone's talking about, obviously, is Kingdom Hearts 4. Uh, it is Sora back in the role. We know next to nothing about release date, platform, uh, engine even. It was mm -hmm. actually, this what they, they said this was on Unreal Engine 4, but it will be on Unreal Engine 5, which is kind of becoming the standard for next gen stuff. The fact, the biggest thing to take away from this is that one, this takes place in kind of a, its own world. Multiverse, what? It's, it's its own world, but it is made to look obviously like a city and some are even saying, um, uh, Tokyo, or, or am I going to say this right? I hope I say it right. Shibuya? Did I say that right? Sounds right. Or like the, this Sounds is right. Shibuya it's roll got, It's got like flavors of that in this. But of course, right, as you're seeing on the screen right now, the mm -hmm. giant heartless that looks like Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Sora's whole hopping on the like tops of the, the freeway and then jumping on a building Sliding trying to get building. up to him. Yeah. Um, they said, of course, that we don't know exactly how all of that stuff is going to happen like in gameplay or if even if it is. But uh, there are hints from developers and stuff or interviews that, you know, it will be actually some of this will be playable. If they can do that, that's awesome. It looks great. Here's my problem. Uh-oh. I think this looks awesome. Like we're watching on screen. I want to play this now. Yeah, me too. However, the most interesting part of this is the last uh, maybe 10 seconds, 15 seconds, because that's when Donald and Goofy enter the picture. Yeah. And it's Disney. And then you're like, oh, that because they're walking somewhere and they're like, you know, they're looking for him. And then someone from behind is, you know, is like, where do you guys think you're going? And that part is Kingdom Hearts sometimes gets a little lost in the like going away from the original premise which was the fun of seeing all these square enix characters and these final fantasy ish uh genre things mixed with disney that mm -hmm. was the whole part i mean it was awesome being at maleficent's castle in the first one or, or going to the beast castle and you have these characters with you, you have characters from the lion king that yeah. you can summon and throw that was the fun of this universe and two embrace that too and three kind of stepped a little, you know, a little less of that Disney magic. So when you see them on the screen, like they're adorable and Goofy's amazing. Oh, it's so I exciting. I want them. I want more of the Disney fun in this one. Me too. And this trailer didn't have enough of that. It had so, none. Yeah, I mean, this, this <laughs> I mean, is it. This is literally it. This is an so afterthought. Yeah. yeah. So I'm hoping that is not indicative of the full product when we get an actual trailer. Lord knows when this comes out. What, 2026? <laughs> maybe. Right. I mean, maybe that's... This Kingdom Hearts games and even just, I will say, mainline Square Enix releases in general typically take a long time, even okay. from when they're announced. So uh, this could probably, we might be looking at 2025, the earliest, I would say 2026. At wow. The, at the but who knows? Maybe, maybe it's next year and I will eat my words and I will gladly eat my words because I'm going to play this now. <laughs> I'm very excited. No platform, though, announcement. I would expect it, though, on next gen. Nice. So, yeah, Kingdom Hearts, man. All right. Matt, you don't get to stop. We're going right the comics. I was really proud of myself there. I yeah. kept that cool. Uh, all right, so we're going to get to Batman Catwoman number 11 to start our, our comics discussions off. I remember when we talked about the last issue of this, and then I was reading, so for those who don't remember, when we talked about that, I kind of came in with the, are they teasing 
that Catwoman and Joker had a had a daughter, had a child, right? Yeah. And I was a little confused. And then we get to this issue, and for the first 75% of this issue, I went, oh, I'm completely wrong. I'm like, I was off base. It's got to be something else. And then we get to the last 25%, and they, sw- they swerve you again. And I went, okay, am I right? I don't know. I was left so befuddled by this issue. Oh, Not in a bad way. <laughs> Not in a bad way, but like I'm confused about several things going on in this in this book. Yeah. But I was captivated the whole way through. I just I cannot wait for this whole series. We got one issue left. It's a right. 12 issue series, right? I cannot wait to read this issue or this series when it is all together. Yes. And then and even I will take like the the one with notes, like the director's cut with King's annotations and stuff. Because mm-hmm. I, I will probably catch so many other things with just having him like, oh, that's what he meant by that. I am so interested to read this as a series, but as an issue, I really enjoyed this. I am just confused. (laughs) I mean, you nailed it. You nailed it. I'm completely confused. And I think that it's getting harder for me to remember between issues what was happening before. I I don't remember anything from the previous issue. Like, I remember, like, one of them. I don't remember the last one. And so, I mean, it's so beautifully drawn. That I don't care. <laughs> but I am very confused. I and I don't know what's happening. And I, uh, and, and honestly, like, I was just completely lost um, and enjoying being lost. <laughs> Matt said it about right. I mean, yeah. I think the only thing I'm confused about in this series at this point is the point. Is like, what is the point here and mm-hmm. what are we doing? And I think, I think I called it when the, Batman Catwoman annual came out and I was like uh, I'm loving this series but I feel like this annual did in one issue. special issue more effectively than what this entire series is going to do yeah which was give us this kind of overview snapshot mm-hmm. of Selena Kyle from like early to end and that was like such a powerful story and we already kind of know how it ends for her and yeah. it's just kind of making like, what's the point of this? Like, yeah. if you're trying to tell me there was, like, some romantic competition between Batman and the Joker, you lost me. Like, yeah. You've, you really kind of lost me there. Right. Like, on this. Oh, well, if you're saying that, then now I'm understanding a little yeah, I bit guess more. Maybe, maybe I don't Tom know. Maybe King is on to something. Yeah. Maybe this is a Janelle story. Like, maybe <laughs> Janelle's got to, like, figure it out. Which one would you be more hot for, Batman or Joker, <laughs> if given the option? Uh, yeah. Well, it depends on the Joker for sure. So there you go. Yeah. So you know, there you go. So maybe Tom King knows more than than I do. But uh, yeah, it is. This is one you really have to read as a graphic novel. I feel like because mm-hmm. yeah. it is just week, like not even like just month to month or whenever these come out. Like, yeah, I don't remember when I picked this up. I was like, what? What's happening again? Like, mm-hmm. where in all the storylines and what's happening yeah. in each? And like, yeah, I I feel like. You shouldn't have to go back and you should not have to go back and read yeah. like the last two issues of a series Again, to then yeah. read the next one. And this series almost feels like that's mandatory. It feels <laughs> yes. like you have to. And I did not do that this time. Hence why yeah. I was last Welcome time we, we talked club, about this. <laughs> Welcome. Last time we <laughs> talked about this, I did. And I went back to like two issues and reread. I was like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm on it. This one, I was a little lost. But again, I there are so many parts of this, uh, the Helena, Selena conversation that happens between them is so, it, there's so much great stuff there. There's great material in here. The stuff even between um, uh, Andrea and Joker during some mm-hmm. of their, there's so much good stuff here. I just don't know 
I'm still waiting for, like Kofi's kind of alluded to, I'm waiting for the justification for this three timeline thing. Really feel like we could have trimmed one of them mm-hmm. and had this double timeline. And then at least half your issue is dedicated to one aspect of this. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe in the 12th issue, we'll really kind of get that, you know, House of X style rap and you go, oh, it all makes sense now. And I would like to do that. But for now, I don't I don't have it. So let's move on to the next book, which is totally different because Immortal Red Sonja number one is a number one. But it is also a kind of reason I put this on here. I don't think actually we've ever talked about a Red Sonja book. Mm-mm. It was a number one, which was a it's a great entry point. It's also a well-known character, but not a character that gets talked a lot about it because obviously it's not part of Marvel and DC. Yeah. Also, Dan Abnett is the writer. And so Dan Abnett, I've been a huge fan of his work in the past on a lot of different things. So I was like, okay, if he's going to jump in and try and redefine his character a little bit for maybe a, a modern generation, I'm going to at least give it a shot. I'm so glad I did because I came away absolutely loving this issue. One, because they actually did some reimagining of even with that cover, which has its own issues with the gratuity <laughs> stuff. But if you've ever seen another Red Sonja cover, you will know that that's actually tame <laughs> because mm-hmm. the chainmail's been re-envisioned. It's not a bikini anymore. There's some things that they've made adjustments to. And in this story, through what I thought actually a really intriguing storytelling device, you learn about her origin, what she's doing now, why she's here. And I thought they did a really good job of, from beginning to end, I think you could give this to anyone and have them come away with like, you know who Red Sonja is, you know what she's about, whether you like it or not, it's up to you. But I thought this was a compelling case and I am in for issue two. Like I was very, I came away very happy with this. But what did you guys think? Yeah, I mean, it started off a little slow and I was kind of confused again, lovely, because I don't know this character. Um, But once, I mean, she actually explains the entire, I guess, background. I don't Mm -hmm. know if everybody knows this. I don't know if it's common knowledge to know about the chain mail or like what's going on. That's the most traditional thing about okay. her but again she's she's a well-known character without being a well-known right. character so you know. so at least she defined that clearly yeah. and once she said that it was like light bulb okay i get this i can yeah. chew on the story um and i really liked the payoff in the end i thought this was it was just an easy quick good read yeah i, I enjoyed it yeah i definitely want to keep going uh, not me i thought it was silly as ish <laughs> uh, I, I'm not down with these like throwbacks. I'm not down with Red Sonia, Conan, like any of these kind of like 80s adventure fantasy throwback yeah. characters like John Carter, even older than John Carter's like yeah. none of this stuff translates anymore. And like trying to find ways to modernize it is <laughs> because we put chainmail on her instead of a bikini, but we still have thick <laughs> thighs and butt like hanging out. Like, Again, but that's also yeah. not necessarily the way it is in the book. Either. Yeah, like, no, right, yeah, but the book, right. the book is still fairly gratuitous with like, to, not to that degree. I mean, there's a like, fair amount of not. just like half naked men and women it. throughout all this thing. It's pretty barbarian. This issue, yeah, yeah. There's half naked. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, but that is, but those are I also feel you're certain. on the wrong book, man. Oh, also, is it? Yeah, that's the wrong book. What, oh, what is that? Oh, yeah, that's a bikini. Yeah, no, that's what a were you totally... Reading? Invincible Red Sonja. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. okay. I was say well, my like, opinion what? is invalid. Moving on. <laughs> Moving right along. I was like, what book? I was like, oh, man, I didn't think it was... Okay, so I just... I'm so, Yo, to the makers of Immortal Red Sonja, I'm very sorry. Everything I just said had nothing to do with you at 
Kyle, I was talking about Invincible Red Sonia, which I thought was, was yeah. trash. I thought it was Basura, you know? <laughs> I, I'm not down for Invincible Red Sonia. Red Sonia has this much press. I didn't even think that was a thing. So I didn't even know that. I was like, this says eight. Why am I so confused? That's so okay. funny because it's Invincible and Immortal. And they're both like oh, eyes. Yeah, they're very and similar. Like, oh my yeah. God, that's also, so confusing. if you've seen one Red Sonia cover, you've seen the mall. Like, yeah. I get, yeah. they do 90 covers, it feels like, per issue. Oh my gosh. Um, but I also actually love that because to I hope, I would actually love for you to read this and then come back, like, just give a quick little thing next time because you've read that one and that is probably Red Sonia as is normally done. So yeah. I would actually be interested for you to see the, this one and see what you think, yeah. having read them so close together. Yeah. I would actually be curious if you, if you see that. So that way it's not for not. No, we're going to come back and see this. Uh, I apologize again to the no, no, writer, no, no. the fine. creators of Immortal Red Sonia. I apologize go. not at all to Invincible Red Sonia. So uh, <laughs> let's get to the poll order real quick. Mm -hmm. uh, which was Flashpoint Beyond Zero. Jeff Johns comes back to the Flashpoint universe. Uh, Flashpoint is, of course, one of the most popular alternate universe type stories DC has done in recent years. For a minute there, it was gone. It had literally, that world had collapsed in on itself because of an event, things like that. But now it's back. I think the coolest thing, one, people love Thomas Wayne Batman. That mm -hmm. character more than anything has transcended yeah. Flashpoint. And we got a whole Tom King Batman run with him as, a, as trying to do the fatherly thing and trying to make his son not follow the same path he did. Because obviously in his universe, he killed Joe Chill. Because in his universe, Bruce dies mm -hmm. and Joe Chill kills Bruce. And so he then crosses that line, right? Kills him. But then that also has a major effect in driving his wife crazy, who then becomes Joker because Joe Chill's not Joker at that time, right? So there's a lot of interesting stuff here. So I understand totally why Flashpoint Universe has become so popular. And I'm also a fan. Flashpoint Beyond then kind of puts us in the role of Thomas. And he's kind of wondering what we're all wondering is like, how is this world still here? Mm -hmm. Why am I still here? And also Thomas kind of looked at it as when the old world crumbled, I'm finally kind of free of, because he lives in a very dark place. I mean, think about that. His wife is Joker and yeah. she turned because, right, because he avenged his son who's dead. Like there's a lot going on. Yeah. You understand. So now he's frustrated because he's now back and he's not at peace anymore and he's trying to get to the bottom of why and so that drives some of the actions he does here which i thought were actually some really interesting twists with wally or sorry uh barry allen and trying to make his own flash that goes horribly that's wrong. so that's funny really crazy stuff that happens in the i book. laughed that I was, laughed. You laughed. I that laughed. Thing? That was funny to it's me. Messed up. It was messed up. It was messed up. It was totally messed uh, up. The fun of Thomas Wayne Batman is he is like this weird oscillation between extreme justice and just kind of total psychopath yeah. stuff. <laughs> like, I mean, he killed Alfred or had Alfred. Yeah, killed. No, I mean, right. when he got fried is when I laughed. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. That's but it, was, it is a funny. It is. No wonder you love Joker. It is. It is <laughs> It is a funny variation on like the what happened in the first Flashpoint, which yeah. of course is that, you know, Barry goes through this extreme measure of electrocuting himself to get Bruce or to get Thomas Wayne to believe what yeah. he's saying and restore his flash. So he's like, oh. I didn't even know yeah. that. Oh yeah, that's a reference yeah. to the first time. So he's like, oh, his flash I'll is just, like, I gathered that. I'll though. just do the process I again, did. and yeah. you'll be Flash. And then it's like, nope. Oh my god. There's also the mystery of who messed with the chemicals. Like I feel like they yeah. need to play the da 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 da. da. Um, like <laughs> this is another kind of weird split one because I feel like 
as somebody who actually likes the DC multiverse stories, mm -hmm. the Flashpoint connection is is the low-hanging easy fruit of mm -hmm. excitement. But there is a second story here because Johns did something else after Flashpoint, which wasn't nearly as popular or as effective, which was right. Doomsday Clock. Yes. And so this is also kind of a... And DC is hilarious because they can never settle on we fix the timeline before yeah, they go back and they're like, <laughs> maybe we're going to renovate uh, over no. here still. But, uh, so after all this, so there is a subplot in here that's, you know, regular universe Batman working with um, Mime and what's, what's the other one? Uh, I always forget her name, but yes, I know yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> From yeah. that series. From Doomsday Clock yeah. to solve what's happened to the Time Masters because their lab's been destroyed. They're kind of like scattered or oh, dead or whatever's going on. And we have that whole storyline. Kind of bookending it. Yeah. 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 And running through here, too. So this is just a Flashpoint and a Doomsday Clock kind of fix-up of all I, the confusion that's happening. Which I will say, because I don't, I know you read Doomsday Clock. Right? Oh, yeah. Okay. I love I don't know Clock. if you did. Mm -mm. I I did, but sort of begrudgingly. <laughs> I didn't like that series as much as, like, some people did. Yeah. So... I kind of come, I think actually it runs across the board. I will be very interested to see what we all think of this as we go forward because the stuff I'm interested in is the Flashpoint stuff and Thomas and, and right. trying yeah. to him, ha having him kind of be the detective and trying to figure out stuff. Yeah. As opposed to the larger time mystery. Mm -hmm. John's is very good at that stuff though. So I'm sure he will hook me. And he's, he's hooked me here. He had some really interesting stuff here, but it's not that much of the book. Most of the book is in the Flashpoint yeah. world. But you coming at it without having the kind of divisiveness of Doomsday right. and coming in, what did you think of this? Yeah, movie? I mean, it was really easy to understand what was going on, like right off the bat. I wasn't super confused, which is surprising because there was a lot of yeah, stuff going so, on. A lot of um, bubbles. Yeah, and I, it was one of the longer books that, you know, like, I'm just kind of like, oh, God, how many pages? But I didn't, I, you know, halfway through, I did not even realize what page I was on. So okay. that's always really good. Um, and yeah, I, I love Thomas, like, wait, right? Thomas. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love him. Uh, this is my first introduction to yeah. him. So I, I loved seeing him. I was really excited. Um, like just hearing about his wife being Joker, like my brain was like, blown. what? <laughs> like there was a lot of stuff happening that I just was totally shocked about and really excited as a first so time So you probably reader. haven't put it together that in, if things had gone well with Zack Snyder's thing, then it would have been Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Thomas Wayne no. and Warren Cullen as the Joker. What? Yeah. That's what he wanted. Yeah, that's yeah. Batman's parents in the beginning of Batman and Superman. He wanted that to happen. And they wanted that to happen, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah look at The Walking Dead. It would have been Negan. Negan and Maggie. I'm done. I quit. Been, I'm leaving. It would have been Thomas Wayne, Batman, and Joker. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'll give it to Snyder. All the future so, stuff on that universe is so any, much more any, interesting. You want, have anything you want to add to our conversation just, about I'll how DC I'll just keep saying fix? restore the Snyderverse. <laughs> no. No, because that'll start training again. Let's go. Restore <laughs> it. Damn Restore this part yeah. of the Snyderverse. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that would have been Walking Dead. Walking Dead would have been uh, Batman and Joker. Dang. You guys would have been in the building. All right. Golly. But uh, I mean, I'm, I'm still interested in the larger flashpoint beyond event and like what's going to happen and how many times do we need to fix the DC timeline for it. Yeah, I guess I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. All right, but um, all right. Do we have anything else, or is that comics? No, that's comics. And if you want to uh, find out more about that issue, if you have read it, uh, I did get to introduce, or sorry, interview Jeff Johns 
for the site. So you can check out our full conversation at conflict.com all about this issue in particular. So, and did yes. you want to mention the poll list that you listed here? Well, I was going to say it was not technically comics, but I just want to plug that in here a little bit. Uh, so we are, after much talking, <laughs> after much talking about this and our upcoming YouTube page is coming. So we're going to be doing the pull list series of articles where we actually deck out. The first one will be Moon Knight because I we ran a poll for it before mm-hmm. a little way back. Sorry, took me a while. Uh, but we're going to pull out all the different issues that will kind of not even just get you up to speed, but also just introduce you to really interesting concepts about these characters. And then we'll do a poll for the next one. And we will be doing those articles. But those will also be videos on our YouTube page when that launches. So. Keep a lookout for that. I will run the poll on the Comic Book Nation Twitter account and everything like that as we do our weekly comic polls. And thank you, by the way, for always voting in those. Those are awesome. I love love that we have that little bit of interaction with the show. Mm -hmm. All right. For my quick mentions today, I'm just going to put you guys on to some things you guys can check out this weekend when you're at home. It's Easter weekend. So if you have not jumped in, here's a couple things across streaming you can check out. The first I'm going to unplug is Severance, the TV series on Apple TV Plus starring Adam Scott and John Turturro from The Batman and uh, Christopher Walken and some other really talented actors. Is that Um, Ben Stiller? Yeah, it's Ben Stiller directs that whole series. And basically Severance, the concept is there's this workplace where these workers, four workers work in a room in this very creepy kind kind of Kubrickian work spot. But the hook is, there's a sci-fi hook is, they undergo a procedure where they get a chip that severs their outside work consciousness away from their in-work consciousness Whoa. with no memory of the other. So they're essentially like two people. They're at work, they're always their work selves, and then they forget all that when they leave, and then they're their outside what? selves. What? This yeah, is really awesome. It's a great show. And most of it is just people walking around these weird hallways and sitting in this weird room, like at a cubicles, but it's, it's really good. And cool. it's a mystery. It's a kind of a mystery and sci-fi thriller. And well, really well acted. Adam Scott's wonderful in it. And yeah, it's really great. Nice. And the season finale that came out is going to launch, I'm sure, a whole new wave of popularity, kind of Ted Lasso style, because nice. they do some things in the season finale that change what you think oh. you're, you know about this whole situation. And it's really good. So Severance, Apple TV+. Plus. Um, I'm also going to plug Tokyo Vice, which isn't like the greatest show, but it's actually pretty interesting. If you love like Eastern culture and stuff like that, Tokyo Vice is on HBO Max. It's about uh, the first kind of non-Japanese reporter who went to work at a major Tokyo newspaper and worked in the Vice section and how he got involved with the Yakuza and reporting on the Yakuza and the organized crime world in Japan. And the weird, and it's very good about showing you like how Japan's culture works, how the Yakuza work and how they're kind of a gang, but also kind of integrated in society as this official body and like political group and can't like be touched. I saw and, them when I was there. Nuts. I totally yeah, so, saw them. And they them. do an awesome job of taking you inside Tokyo and early 2000s Tokyo. And then finally, Atlanta season three <laughs> airs on FX, streams next day on Hulu. Um, Atlanta is, I mean, Donald Glover said he wanted to make the Twin Peaks of hip hop and he really has. And this season is great. It's all about... It's simultaneously about kind of them touring, paperboy touring in Europe and them being in Europe and going on this music tour, but also these weird kind of hallucinatory visions and dreams about American culture and what's happened in the last few years and mm-hmm. topics like reparations and things like that. And it's crazy. And so, yeah, they just did last week, uh, Justin Bartha from the Hangover movies just did a whole episode about him as if reparations became an official thing. And it was like real crazy. And it was about him as like an average white guy who was living a world of like reparations. And stuff. It was nuts. Oh my and, God. And uh, this one was just about kind of being in the music industry and 
the hollowness of being famous and touring and doing concerts and things like that and how it can get kind of bugged out for you as a person. Yeah. So uh, Atlanta's always awesome. Love that show. Check that out. So that should be able to get you through Easter weekend. Yeah. All right, and now I got to keep going because that'll do it. This is Comic Book Nation, and we are now going to be getting out of here, but we live stream every Friday at noon on Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. If you miss the show there, you can always rewatch on any of those platforms. If you just want to listen to the podcast as a podcast, we're on all your favorite platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or you can tell any smart home device to just play Comic Book Nation podcast, and we'll be there. We also stream on Paramount+. Plus. Every Sunday morning at 9 Eastern. So if you're up drinking your Sunday coffee and getting some breakfast made, Hi, throw us Easter on eggs. and you got Paramount Plus, <laughs> stream us. You can see us live on your big TV and uh, it's glorious. It's glorious. <laughs> glorious. <laughs> you just blew out my earpiece with that. You I can hear glorious. nothing now. You said glorious. I, I, I literally hear Bob, nothing. I mean, I can see Robert Root's Blew it. Okay. Oh my god. What a way to end the show. Matt blew out my earpiece with the singing. <laughs> this has been Comic Book Nation. We are your geek culture spot. We do not do singing, except for Janelle, who is like a literal championship singer. <laughs> but uh, other than that, we're not going to do much singing on this we show. We sing a lot. We do sing an incredibly disturbing amount on the show, including <laughs> myself. So that'll do it. This is Comic Book Nation. We getting out of here, and we'll sing... Uh, 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 uh. I yeah. Can't <laughs>